In previous episodes of this season, I went over the uh, first five steps of a seven-step process to help you become more trustworthy, to help you build one habit. And this is, this is our focus. Our focus is on one habit. In uh, step one, it was to identify one relationship. Step two was to find one bad thing that's holding you back from being more trusted in that relationship. Step three was to identify a good habit. Step four is to make it a smart habit or a smart action uh, plan uh, that is more specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. In step five, I helped you make it. I gave you ideas, uh, and that was the last two episodes, Ideas on how to make it stick, how to make it easy. And I gave you six different uh, methods that uh, varied from reducing or increasing the friction all the way to extrinsic motivation. This time I'm going to give you a, it's not really another method, but we're going to bring another element. And we're going to talk about having an accountability partner. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm your host, Joram Solomon, a researcher of trust and the author of The Book of Trust. In this podcast, I will share with you everything that I know and discovered about trust. I will challenge you to think differently about trust. But not only will I teach you about trust, I will also give you actionable advice on how to build trust, be trusted, and know who to trust. It's almost like I'm reading The Book of Trust to you, but with no holding back, and no BS. The Association for Training and Development, uh, they used to be called ASTD at the time, came up with a study. I, I haven't found the original study with uh, exactly how they did that with exactly what the questions are, but I'm still going to use the numbers that they uh, quoted several times in, in several different publications. And that is, how probable is it that you're going to achieve a goal that you set out to achieve? So what they said was that you have a 10% probability if you knew what it is. If you know what your goal is, it's enough to know what your goal is and there's 10% probability of achieving it. Well, 10% means that 9 out of 10 times, 9 out of 10 goals, you're not going to achieve. So that's not something to write home about. So you must make a commitment. So you make a commitment. And when you made a commitment, so it's not just that you know what your goal is, but you actually are committed to it. That's 25%. Three out of four of your goals you're going to miss if if you have a commitment, even when you have a commitment. Put a timeline. Put a deadline for it. That increases the probability to 40%. Still, it's a 60-40. There's 60% chance you're not going to meet your goal. 40% chance that you will. If you know what it is, you made a commitment, and you have a timeline for it. 50%. If you actually make a plan, 
you know, knowing what you want to do, committing to it, knowing by when you have to do, doesn't make it achievable. Yeah, doesn't mean that you're going to get there. So you have to have a plan. So now that you have a plan, now you're at 50%. And that is as high as you can get all by yourself. We're at uh, 50%. So how do we go about 50%? Well, what uh, the Association for Training and Development suggested is that you add an accountability partner. So you're not really giving up on yourself, but you're saying, I have to have somebody else help me here. And that somebody else is an accountability partner. And mere having an accountability partner increases the probability to 65%. This is the first time that you went above a 50-50 chance, a one-to-one. And it's a significant increase because you had a one-to-one chance of making or not making your goal. Now you have a 65 to 35 chance, which is really two-to-one. Your probability of getting, of achieving your goal is twice as high as the probability of not achieving your goal. Why is that? I think that the reason, the main reason is because it's harder to break a commitment you made to yourself that nobody else knows about than it is to break a commitment or a promise that you made to somebody else. So I'm I'm worried more about how other people see me. And because I told another person, this is what I'm going to be doing, then it's, it's harder for me to not do it. So we're at 65%. Now let's ask the question, who? Who is this other person? Before I get there, I no, I'll, I'll get there, and, and we'll talk about the who. The person cannot be the person that you want to be trusted by. So if I want to be trusted by you, I can't have you be my accountability partner. And and there there are reasons for that. One of them is you know, you're you want to trust me or. You may even not want to trust me. It's I want to be trusted by you. So I'm giving you a burden of being my accountability partner. Plus, there's kind of a conflict of interest, if you will, in you know being an accountability partner and being someone who doesn't trust me uh, very much. So it can be that person. Now, it cannot be reciprocal accountability. So you know what? I want to be more trusted by that person. You want to be more trusted by another person. So I'm going to be your accountability partner and you're going to be my accountability partner. How about that? You know, we don't need to involve anybody else. You know what the problem with that is? It's that I will let you cut corners because I know that you will let me cut corners. So that that mutual accountability, it's, it's not really mutual accountability. It's kind of a reciprocal accountability is just not going to be something that that works. It's uh, it's like my wife and I both wanting to lose weight and I'm going to hold her accountable. She's going to hold me accountable. Well, what happens when I miss my goal for the day? You know exactly what's going to happen, right? I'm going to tell her, hey, I missed my, uh, my goal for one day. I let you miss your goal for one day if I can still keep whatever my intri- extrinsic motivation is. Which she will, because it gives her a uh, one day of, uh, you know, free pass. So don't do reciprocal accountability. Has to be somebody that I can trust. They don't have to trust me. 
It has to be somebody that I trust because I need to trust them to hold me accountable. If this is not somebody I can trust to hold me accountable, and this is, again, law number two, trust is contextual. They need I need to be able to trust them to hold me accountable, very specifically, not to fly an airplane, not to do brain surgery. I need to trust them, to be able to trust them to hold me accountable. So it has to be somebody I can trust. It has to be somebody, and, and those things are probably related, somebody I can trust. It has to be somebody that is not afraid to hold me accountable. You know, if I'm going to have one of the people who work in my group that, uh, you know, I'm like three hierarchical levels above them in the organization, I'm going to tell them, you're going to be my accountability partner. First of all, they're going to say yes, because nobody's going to want to say no to me, right? But they won't be afraid of holding me accountable. I mean, they would let me cut corners as much as I'd like. So it has to be somebody who's not afraid of holding me accountable. It also has to be somebody I can share my log with. I, I can share my progress. I will share whether I'm meeting my goals, whether I'm doing the new habit or stopping the old habit. If it's somebody, if, if, if whatever my habit is, is confidential and I can share it with the other person or somehow there's any other reason why I can share that with them, then they're not going to be a good accountability partner for that, for me. So it has to be somebody I can share that information with. Here are a few success factors in uh, working with your accountability partner, not just uh, choosing them. First of all, you have to have a metric that is somewhat regular. So the metric cannot be the end point. So after three months, let's see if I've done enough. There is no coming back from that if, if the answer is no. So the metric has to be something that is regular, that happens on maybe a daily basis, maybe a weekly basis, but not just the end result. The second thing is obviously I need to give them access to my log. And I need to also make my log um, very available to them. So, uh, and, and very, when I say very available, maybe maybe accessible, easy to understand. That That's probably the best word. My log has to be easy to understand. This, this is a game where, you know, they're doing me a favor, right? by being my accountability partner. They're doing me a favor. So the last thing I want to do is have them run mathematical models and formulas on what my metric is. And this, by the way, is one of the reasons why I like using grades instead of metrics. All they have to know, you know, I have to be trusted enough to not lie and grade myself appropriately. And and it's really good if your grades are pretty objective and not subjective, so not really easy, uh, uh, subject to interpretation. So, you know, if, if this is, I'm going to meet my four direct reports 30 minutes each every week, I'm going to give myself an A if I met all four of them for at least 30 minutes each every week. I'm going to give myself a B. Maybe a B is if I spent not more than 90 minutes with with all of them, which means I either met all four of them for less than 30 minutes each, or I only met three of them. Or, you know, again, it, it depends on how I define what, what the right habit is, what my metric is, but give it a grade. Having a grade that's easy for the accountability partner to determine you've done your thing or you haven't 
in a very easy way or, or part-time, part, partly uh, completed it. So uh, give, uh, give them direct access to the log, but make it easy to read as well, uh, not too complicated. It has to be regular check-ins, not just at the end. And this is where the last line from the uh, Association for Training and Development comes in. Remember, by yourself, you can't achieve more than 50% probability of achieving your goal. Now, some of you are, are at 100%. It's enough for me to know what it is, to make a commitment, to put a timeline. I don't need to share it with anyone. I have a plan and it's not 50%, it's 100% for me. It probably depends on the habit, but the, the statistics that the association used show that it's really 50% on average to all people. 65% if you have an accountability partner. So now the ratio is two to one. But you know something? If you have regular check-ins with your accountability partners, not just at the end, not just the fact that you know that they know that they're going to hold you accountable, but you actually have scheduled Maybe weekly, for me it's weekly, check-ins with your accountability partner, that probability goes from 65% to 95%. So if I throw this together, having an accountability partner, not just having a, an accountability partner, but actually having an accountability partner and a regular meetings with the accountability partner to hold you accountable, then the probability of not achieving the goal went down from 50% to 5% factor of 10. And in other words, the probability of you not achieving your goal is now 1 in 20, 5%. 95% that you're going to achieve it. If you have an accountability partner and not only have an accountability partner, but you meet with your accountability partner or communicate on a regular basis. So don't get to the point of no return. You know, we're going to have a meeting with the accountability partner and they're going to see that I I didn't do my thing, whatever I was supposed to. I didn't uh, practice this new habit so that it will get formed. But now so much time had passed that there's no walking back from that. There's no way back. It's the point of no return. Find a way to communicate. Uh, what is it that you communicate? So, uh, and, and how often, obviously, uh, enough to allow those course corrections. In my workshops, when I work with organizations, typically the one person that cannot find an accountability partner is the CEO. There's nobody who's willing to be the accountability partner to the CEO or the CEO just doesn't want to use anybody. Maybe they don't trust anybody to be their accountability partner. So in that case, I volunteer. Sometimes I volunteer. Sometimes it's part of the deal and I'll be their accountability partner. Here's what I do. I ask them, by Monday at 8 a.m. to send me an email that says I've done what I was supposed to do for the week or even I haven't done what I was supposed to do for the week or give me access or update the log. Whatever you do, it has to be done by 8 a.m. and you have to let me know by 8 a.m. that you've done that. By 9 a.m., if I haven't heard from you, I'm going to be sending you an email saying what's going on. Where is what you are supposed to do? Where's the log and so on? So we keep that, that regular meeting, but I actually leave it to them. And uh, you know what happens, right? If they're supposed to do that by 8 a.m. on Monday, you know when they're going to find out that you haven't, that they haven't. You know when you're going to find out that you haven't done what you're supposed to? 
it's 7 a.m., right? Or minutes before 8 a.m. And, and if it's something that can be done before 8 a.m., well, probably then it's too easy. But maybe it's not, and it's still something that's hard enough and, and you're going to do it, then fine. You, you still did it. If it's something that's too long, like having four meetings so 30 minutes each with each one of my direct reports, you're not going to find out at 7 a.m. you haven't done that and, and now you're going to complete all those meetings before 8 a.m. before you're supposed to send me my email, your email. You're going to miss it for one week and it's going to feel bad. And I'm going to send you that email at 9 a.m. And you're going to make sure this time you're going to overcompensate and make sure that it doesn't happen again next time. So that's the accountability partner. One thing that I would recommend to is to sign an agreement with the accountability partner, a contract with the accountability partner. And uh, in that Contract. I mean, we're not looking for a four, five, ten-page long contract. We're looking for something that's clear enough as to what you're supposed to do, what your extrinsic motivation is, if it needs to be, and and whether it's a characteristic and what it is, and uh, how do you communicate? When do you communicate? Make sure that it's often enough. Those things have to be in that contract. Really, it's one paragraph, but I really want you to write it down. And I want both of you to sign it. And I want you to hang it on the wall next to your, in your office or your cube, in a place where you can see it. And it will remind you that you have this contract with an accountability partner. And because of that, the probability of you achieving that goal, doing, building, forming that habit goes from zero to 95%. And the outcome, you're going to be more trusted, increase from zero to 95%. And once again, before you move on to the next step, step seven. And step seven is is all on you. And, And you'll see that when I talk about step seven in the next episode. But for now, I would recommend before you move on to just answer these questions, answer them to yourself, uh, preferably uh, in writing. One, who is your accountability partner? Two, and this is kind of the the qualification questions. Two, it's not somebody that you want to be trusted by, right? I I told you why this cannot be the person that you want to be trusted by. Because if it is, choose another accountability partner. Now, you're not their accountability partner for what they're trying to do, right? You can't have this reciprocal accountability relationship. If it is a person that you're their accountability partner, they can't be your accountability partner. Choose somebody else. Can you trust them to hold you accountable? You don't need to trust them with other things. Just can I? Can you trust them to hold you accountable? Or, or are they somebody who's just going to be too afraid to hold you accountable? If the answer is no, you can't trust them, or yes, they, they're, too, they're going to be too afraid to hold you accountable, choose somebody else. How often and how will you communicate with them? Will you share your log with them? Did you make it simple enough? Can they enforce the extrinsic motivation? You know, in some cases, you can just somehow give them the key. I'm not going to say give them the key to the car. Even though I did work with a friend of mine and I suggested to him, he had two cars. He had an old Acura and a brand new Mercedes. 
And uh, I said, can you drive uh, either one of them? He said, yes. I said, so how about this? How about you give your wife the key to the Mercedes? And on a day that you did not meet your goal, she doesn't give you that key. So you literally give the key to somebody else. But you need to make sure that they can enforce the extrinsic motivation and you can't cut corners. And finally, did you sign a contract? Make that one paragraph contract and sign it before you move on to the next step. I'll see you in the next episode. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.